Hi, everybody. This is David Osterloh. Many of you know me because I ran a retail business in Elk City for over 30 years. That's where I learned that if you take care of your customers, they will take care of you. So when it was time to look for a career in real estate, I wanted to land someplace that had the same principles. Western Oklahoma Realty seemed like a natural fit. Putting people before property is the same as taking care of your customers. Since I've been at Western Oklahoma Realty, I've come to understand that is how they do business. People before property is not just a hashtag, it's a way of taking care of customers. When you are looking for your next home, we will find a place that your family can call home. When you are going to sell your current home, we will find a buyer that loves your place as much as you do. Western Oklahoma Realty, where putting people before property is a way of life. Come see us at 602 West 3rd Street. We are in the historic greenhouse on the hill, one block west of Homeland. Or you can check out our website, westernoklamarealty.com, or even call us at 580-225-6271. If you build it, he will. It's the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Cowell. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with The Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports, right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. College football coaching carousel is already spinning. I wonder how many times a game has been played on a Saturday. Exact trivia question that came to my mind. On Sunday, both head coaches in that game were fired. That's exact exact thing came to my mind. I don't when that alert came this morning about Mississippi yeah, Mississippi State. I thought, when does that ever happen? Yeah. I I cannot (laughs) think of a time. Oh no. I'm sure it might have happened where it's just two terrible teams playing at the end. Like at the last season. season. Yeah. Yeah, And then they both I mean Go away. I mean, for instance, early in the year well, for the coaches. To for win. instance, let's think about this. Is it possible? I mean, but not the very next. Day. I don't know if it happened the very next day, but like with Mississippi State, Leach and Kiffin, they didn't come the exact same year. Leach was already there, wasn't he? Or Kiffin? I, that's oh, I don't know. maybe we can look. That that's one that maybe because the Egg Bowl will be the last game of the season. For Mississippi State and Mississippi, and then all of a sudden those two head coaches there. But I, it seems like they just memory. I think Leach might have already been at Mississippi State a year maybe before Kiffin got there. I feel like it, but that, it could be the other way around. Just remember that how much fun that was with both of those oh, man. head coaches being there. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. What's A and M going to do? You know what would be hilarious? What's that? What would be the most A and M thing of all time? I'll talk about it at the oh, end. Okay. Uh, college football this weekend, the games that were actually on the on the field. Oklahoma State took the rat poison. Man, they just ran into an absolute buzzsaw. And it, all week long, on these airwaves, this show or the ones after us, the question was, why? Why? How? Why is that line so small? 
and we saw why, unfortunately, on Saturday. OU bounced back. A lot of hand-wringing about why that offense hasn't looked like that all year. Who knows? Probably has a little bit of something to do with with uh, not committing penalties. Big 12 title game race down the stretch. It's it's a little bit clearer, but still pretty murky. I did see a nice website uh, that uh, the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, tweeted out that makes it easy to uh, kind of decipher. So it's almost like the trade machine. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can just type something in and bam, it'll tell you. Oh, I see. It'll tell you, kind of go through the scenario for you to tell you how that would work. So uh, that's, uh, that's something we'll probably use. And then, of course, around the country, something is uh, – I'm, I'm not going to do something I did ever again. Ever again. I'll tell you what that is. Okay. Coming up. High school football season for the Big Elks. It ended on Friday night at the hands of a very, very good Newcastle team. We'll talk about that game. We'll review the season, look ahead to what's coming up in 2024. Uh, the Clinton Red Tornadoes going to carry the 4A1 flag as they were the only team to get a win. A, a historically great matchup, name-wise, uh, tradition-wise, coming up on Friday at the Tornado Bowl with Ada coming to town. There's some good matchups in the quarterfinals. Hollis season ends to uh, as well in the first round of the playoffs. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That is 225 9698 Nine eight. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Whatever else is on your mind, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area one of these days, you want to stay in touch with the show, it's easy. Log on to KADSAM.com or download the app. The app has it all. It's got radio. It's got the Penny News, Big Elk and Paragon TV. As we switch to basketball now for both of those, no more football games until uh, coming up in next fall on the Big Elk or the Paragon TV. And, of course, the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you miss the show entirely, you can find us anywhere podcasts drop. How are you today, Jared? I'm good. How are you doing? How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. Quick trip to the city on Saturday and got home in time to watch the second half of the football game and then enjoyed the Oregon-USC game. That was fun. And um, just watched a lot of football yesterday. It was really nice yesterday. So, pretty uneventful. How was your weekend? Awful. <laughs> Awful? Yeah. Uh, uneventful is the exact opposite of of my weekend. Was it a bad weekend? Like something bad happened? Yeah, or? something bad did happen. Oh, we don't need to talk about it then. Yeah, something bad did happen. Darn it. So, it's been, it's been a pretty, pretty awful couple of days, but everything's mm. looking better on a Monday, that's for sure. Well. So. That's I didn't weird. watch a bunch of football. I can yeah. tell you that there wasn't ton, wasn't a ton of football being watched, um, outside of actually a majority of the USC Oregon game. By the time I got where I was going, that was on and we yeah. were stationary for a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, we we watched a ton of that one. Actually, crazy. I mean, there, just some of that is baffling to see how bad defense can be played. Oh, the very first touchdown Oregon scored, I mean, you just saw in a nutshell how bad USC's defense was with how many, I mean, routine tackles. Well, at least somebody tried missed. to tackle him. The second one, they kind of ran away from him. I, yeah. <laughs> the one over the middle, it was like, uh, hey, four, are you not He you just play, ran you, the other way. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. I mean, you knew they were going to score points, but you knew Oregon was going to score more points. It's, and here's what's crazy. 
you almost feel like USC's defense did pretty good, only giving up 36 to Oregon. And that's crazy, yeah. Uh, that, you know, it, that, there were some baffling, funny plays like those first two touchdowns. But after that, I mean, they did. They did a decent job. I mean, for them, I, I would have I would have guessed a 50 spot, easy. Now, Oregon, you could tell you could tell how disappointed, even in a win, you could tell how disappointed both Dan Lanning and Bo Nix were that that wasn't a way bigger butt kicking. After the game, uh-huh. like just in their interviews, they were both like, "Yeah, we got to fix some stuff. This isn't acceptable," <laughs> you know, because you know, well, they, never satisfied. You know, they're, they're but on they a, planned yeah. on just really oh, rubbing yeah. it in Lincoln's face, and they didn't quite get it done. Hundred percent, they they wanted to, but there, there's no doubt. But it never felt like they were going to lose that game. In my oh in heck my mind. no no no, they were never losing. The only thing was the the, the only question mark was whether or not they were going to cover the spread right. in the Western Oklahoma Realty Pick'em, right. Which I had a horrible week weekend. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I had too. a bad Saturday at the first of the uh, next segment. All right, let's hit, uh, go back to Friday. High school football playoffs. Man, um, the game here at Elk City. I don't think it could have started any better. The Elks kick off. They uh, get a fourth down stop. Two minutes or so into the game, I think it was ten oh one on the clock after the fourth down play happened. Elk City took over at like the 33, 30, something like that, 35, 37. And they proceeded to run the clock down to 238 left to play in the first quarter, scored a touchdown. It was 7 nothing, and you thought, okay, that is absolutely the recipe yeah. for the Big Elks to win this game. Did a great job up front, on all, especially on the offensive line. And I think it was like, what, 13 plays, 65 yards, all on the ground just melting that clock away, keeping Newcastle's offense off the field. And so, I mean, that you saw a glimpse into what had to happen in order for the Elks to win. The problem was that was the glimpse. Um, Newcastle's offense from there really took over. I think what they scored on maybe six straight possessions after that opening uh, fourth down stop. And the next, the next stop the Big Elks defense made was well, it was in the fourth quarter before you know they they were able to keep Newcastle off the board and you know we we mentioned the offensive line of Newcastle being completely intact from last year um four seniors and a junior and as that game wore on there's no doubt in my mind that that Newcastle offensive line was absolutely the best unit on the field on Friday night yeah they, and I mentioned it during the broadcast and I'll say it again it felt like they were doing what we've done to people yeah. all season long up front, and that's just wear you out. And 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 it was going by script uh, that first drive, milking that clock, getting that push up front, all on the ground, punching it in with the touchdown. Then it felt like that that's the recipe. That's that's the game plan. You know, if we can get some stops on defense and continue to do that, we're just going to wear them out by the end of the game. In, which we've done all season long to a lot of really good teams and even in losses too. And, um, but uh, it just, listen, Newcastle, they returned so much. They, they had a great offensive line there that was doing what I just said. You got to tip your cap off to them. And they, and their, their offense was potent, just fast and, and furious and very Canadian Texas, like maybe not as lightning fast as Canadian had been, but man, you, you hardly had time to, finish describing the play before they were already taking the next snap and that's how fast it was and it kept uh, the big elks on their heels but 
Um, man, great season, great season for the Big Elks. Again, um, I again saying it on Friday night. There's a standard now of always making the playoffs. There's that that is the standard here in Elk City, and I don't expect that uh, to go away. Uh, because there's a lot of great players coming back. Kudos to the seniors on on helping to continue that standard too. They'd had a great season this year, unfortunately fell short in the first round. But I mean, hey, you finished second in the district and got to host a playoff game. That's something to be very, very proud of. Very yeah, proud of as, I mean, as a senior group. It stings right now, and it's that, that's obvious. But you know, there's it it shows the change, and and I think we even, or I don't know if I said it on air or just to people around town, but. Even even to start the season, the the almost disappointment with you know after the first two wins against teams that you know everybody knew were going to be wins, then you got to you know a year ago you were able to beat Canadian, of course you lost to Carl Albert, but then you beat Clinton and you're four and one, and like the, the disappointment of being two and three this season, it, it was kind of showed to me okay the expectations of what Elk City football is becoming or what it is right now and, and, and maybe even in the, into the future are completely different than they've ever been in a lot of ways. And, and I say ever been because, you know, they're obviously the, the group back that won the, the title, but you, no offense to those guys after, but you kind of had, you, you knew something, you knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that was going to be a, a a dip down. Now, you know, you lose 18 seniors off of the first semifinal team. And you don't know what to expect, but you don't really expect, you know, a fall off the cliff. And then after a year ago, you lose 18 more on another semifinal trip. And you don't really know what to expect, but you don't you, – you, 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 know, you, you know you're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right, I mean, you know, and that's and then the, the question is, okay, how much better how much better can the team get to make how how deep a playoff run? And there, there's a bunch of times throughout the years in this town where a second place finish in the district and just making the playoffs would have been pause for or cause for a, a celebration and a parade. And I, I think the disappointment that's being felt over the last few days about this team losing in the first round just shows how far it's come. And and like you said, the standard that is, that is starting to be set with stacking classes, stacking seasons. And it doesn't, it, it, and coach Maynard said this at one point this year with us, it's not a, a big out football. Isn't just about waiting on that group and that grade to finally get here. It's about winning each and every year and just trying to, you know, mm-hmm. just keep keep building, keep building. And so that's, to me, that's a testament to, to what Coach Meadows started and what Coach Maynard's obviously um, continuing on. And, and the kids, too, uh, obvi- that's, that's an obvious answer or statement, too, that they've bought in. When you, when you go up there on a July morning and there's 70 or 80 kids in the, in the weight room in the high school and there's just as, that many in the middle school, you know, that – it, it's starting to mean something to, to them, to con, to not just be waiting on one one group of kids. Yeah. Um. I, when I say them, I mean the kids. Not it, you know, not just waiting on the, this group or that group, uh, for their for their own group to kind of make a make a statement and make a make a mark on the on the program when they leave. And there's no doubt the seniors, 
didn't lose very many games in their entire career. No, no it's um, one of the few senior classes that can say they hosted playoff games in back-to-back years. Lots of there's lots of really good. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you know this team, uh, quite honestly, outside of maybe the exception of the Clinton game, but over there, it seems like that game goes that way. But I think we can say Elk City beat the teams they were better than, but they didn't beat anybody they weren't. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of, they kind of won the games you thought they would, and they lost the games that, that you thought they would. You know, and and I yeah. think you know there's something to be said about beating everybody that you're supposed to beat. Because how many times do we see on a, on a Friday night or a Saturday or a Sunday going, what? Yeah. What just happened? How did in the world did that team beat that team? And we never, you never had that feeling at all walking out of the stadium. You just kind of went, that team was better than us tonight. Right. And that was certainly the case on Friday. Yeah. And so Newcastle moves on to the semifinals. Uh, staying with the Elks, though, I think there is a lot of promise as much as losing those seniors is going to hurt. When you look down the roster, there is a whole bunch coming back. Yes. Yeah. Outside of outside of the offensive line. And with three of those guys graduating the entirety of the left side, you know, there's going to have to be people step up. There's going to have to be people get stronger and and bigger and all that. But I think that that will be kind of the key to next season is the growth of guys on the line because everybody skill-wise is back. And there's 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 a lot of guys that'll still that you know, this year we were kind of sifting through early on who's where, who's that. We, you know, guys that we'd sort of seen, but not really. Right. And now this, you know, this, this next year going into game one, we're going to have a lot better idea of who's where because we've actually got to see him mm-hmm. play for a whole year. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of familiarity there outside of the, the, the line play. And, you know, good programs don't rebuild, good programs reload. And, this is and you mentioned the buy-in you know you're, you're seeing all those kids so i don't doubt there's depth there that will reload on that line and and it could be a pretty fun season next year and there was a bunch of guys that probably played more this year because of, because of some injury yeah. than they than they normally would have which will certainly help going into next season having a little bit more experience than what we probably assume might be there mm-hmm and so yeah, that'll that'll definitely that'll definitely help. And then, like I said, all the skilled dudes. I mean, anybody that touched the ball outside of Braxton every every now and again, right? And, and Cooper every now and again because he wasn't available a bunch, unfortunately. Outside of those two guys, I mean, everybody else that touched the football this year will be back. Which yeah. I mean, that helps. There's no doubt. Uh, obviously helps. And then you just wonder how fast and and how quickly a, a line can gel and and try to get up to the to the standard of what's been set the last couple of years. But a good season, there's no doubt about it. Disappointing the way it finished. But at the end of the day, they like I said, Elk City beat everybody that they should have beat or could it that they were better than and they kinda lost the games that they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um speaking of one of those teams that beat the Elks Clinton, the last team carrying the flag in four A one, as Cash was defeated by Blanchard, was at twenty seven to nothing. The Elks 41, 20, 40, uh, 46 to 21 loss, Newcastle, and then Weatherford, Tuttle. That ended up 41 21. Is that the final of that one? Something like that. 
I've got it pulled up right here. Okay. I was going to look for you. 48-21. Tuttle knocked off Weatherford. And then Clinton, it was a wild, wild ride throughout that one, but the Red Tornadoes do get it done, 28-25 at home against Bethany. Now Ada comes to town. It's hard to imagine. I don't think it exists, actually, because of the, the classifications of different teams. I don't I don't think you could you could have a more storied matchup possible. Oh no. Than Clinton Ada. Maybe Union Jean is that the only one that could even rival it? Yes. Sort of, yeah, maybe. Because both but not really. With all the titles that both Right. Yeah. Yeah, Jinx has seventeen. I think them and Clinton are both seventeen, aren't they? I think so and Ada's nineteen. Ada's nineteen and yeah. I don't know how many Union has. But Union lately has had more success than well, I say that Jinx won one a couple years ago. Yeah, that, no, this one, um, this one for uh, the football historians in Western Oklahoma, this one gets gets you excited and, and gets your peaks up your interest. So, uh, no doubt that place is going to be packed. Ada travels well, and why shouldn't they? They're 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 very very good, or not very good. Well, they're good, but they're very traditionally they're always uh, followed, and then course clinton's clinton yeah this one is um it's it's one that's going to be on everybody's radar just because of the names clinton and ada there's some good games in the 90s they've had some sense in playoffs um i'm just trying to go in my memory banks i know one was a semifinal game um after the 2010s and one was at ada that was a i think like an overtime game i mean there's some fun games that they played this one will be really good, I think. Yeah, so they've they're supposed to play in twenty twenty, and that game didn't happen because Ada's got, got COVID. You got the I was at the game. I've got up. it pulled up. Oh, there you go. As we speak, so Clinton's it shows Clinton's won four in a row, obviously all in the playoffs, but only three of those games actually happened. The semifinal game you're talking about at twenty twelve, a forty to twenty two win uh, for Clinton over Ada. That then led what to a title against? They beat Anadarko, or was it Salisaw? They beat in the finals, twenty twelve. Who Clinton? Yeah, Anadarko. Anadarko, wasn't it? That's what I thought. So, you've got those. Then you mentioned the nineties. Ada won most of those games. People, they played three years in a row in the finals. The nightmares of Brandon Daniels, man, <laughs> running up and down Owen Field every time they'd play in Norman. And that guy was awesome. One of the all-time greatest high school football players ever. Yeah, 93, 94, and 95. Ada beat Clinton in the finals every one of those years. Yeah, there's been some a couple overtime games in the playoffs. There's been some good stuff. Good stuff. There's no doubt about it. And you just when you hear when you think of high school football in Oklahoma, you hear Clinton, you hear Ada. I like. I think there will be people that just see those two teams are scheduled to play that don't have a dog in the fight whatsoever that might show up over there just to be like, I was there. I got. I watched yeah. Clinton play Ada. Uh, how many times has it happened in the bowl? Well, it was going to in 2020. I right. know it happened. There were times early. In the playoffs, back in the – I mean, in Lee's early season, like 90, 91, 92, without looking, I think. That's right. 
where they hosted or they had to go to Ada. I can't remember, but I think there's a couple times they came, Ada came to Clinton. I can try to find well, that I'm look, for it does, you. Is there, so 91 was a semifinal game. 92 was a quarterfinal game, which means that would have been either at Clinton or at Ada, right? In the quarters. And that was a 15-14 Clinton win in overtime in 92. The 93, 94, 95 was a championship game, so it wasn't on anybody's home field. Ada won in 2002 in double overtime. Yeah, that was the game I was thinking about, that first-round game. Was that Clinton or Ada? That was at Ada. At Ada, okay. I went to it. Okay, well, it's, I figured you were in the stands. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was out of high school by then in 02. Yeah. No, the, I, I, I guess I'm wrong. I thought there was a time where Ada came to Clinton. There was a quarterfinal game. Yeah, back in 92. 92. But you, that might be the only one I can think of. Yeah, I wonder where that would be the one. Because everything else is past yeah. that time. Yeah. And then the, the, most, the most recent ones, Clinton was there. Right? Right. Yeah. Good stuff. It'll be good stuff. There, there, you're right. It'll be a packed house over there in Clinton. What's your, what's your favorite matchup at 4A in the semifinals? Outside or, of that I, one? I'm sorry, in the quarterfinals. Outside of that one? Yeah. Um, maybe Tuttle Wagner. Tuttle surprised me. I didn't even go and look at that film, but Tuttle surprised me. So maybe Tuttle Wagner outside of the Clinton Ada game. How about you? I, I, I want to see what Newcastle can do at Poto. I was really impressed it's, with it's those, with those guys. It's intriguing. Really impressed with their physicality. You know, a lot of times you spread it out. You got four or five wides. You think of that team as a finesse team. Newcastle is nowhere near a finesse Mm-mm. team. They, they spread you out to be able to run it. it. It's not. I mean, they they have the ability to throw it a little bit, but uh, you know they're they're looking to to spread you to create running lanes. For Bradford, for the quarterbacks, either one of them, Burt or uh, or Shanuel. and so that's uh, that's an intriguing matchup, I think. Just to see, kind of see, like, okay, we know we saw what Newcastle is now. How good is Poto? Type of thing, yeah. With the yeah, with the way Poto runs their offense, and makes you think that's going to be a fight in the middle too. So, are they are they headed? Is 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 Newcastle headed for a season sort of like what we saw? A couple years ago with the Elks, go on the road to defeat a, a number two team in a district, then go on the road, long drive, to play a district champ with your district champ possibly waiting in the semifinal. I mean, it's kind of it's reminiscent of uh, that, that, is that, very year, cool. of that yeah. year two years ago with Elk City and Clinton meeting. It, and with You see Blanchard and Salisaw. You see Blanchard possibly waiting on Newcastle in, yeah. that, in that semifinal match. Salisaw, I think they could do it again. I can't believe they did it the first time. I can't time. believe they did it the first time either. You know, they were a team that was beating Cushing. They they were probably what five or six and zero, oh, maybe in the early or maybe in one five or six and one, and then fell off a little bit, clear to the bottom of what District Four. No, the third place in District Four. Yeah, they're third. And so you know they're probably thinking the same thing. We go on the road, beat Cushing. We could upset Blanchard and maybe get to play Poto again. Yeah. 
There's some good ones though. I think all of them. That'd be the if there is one that may not be as competitive, you'd think it would be that one. But I think you could also make the case that Salisaw might have had the best win in the first round. I'm gonna look up a possible trivia question. So uh Hollis's season ended at Oklahoma Bible Academy. The Tigers making the playoffs again in class B. Uh, but uh, had to go up to Enid to play OBA, a team that's been in the top five or so all season long. And uh, OBA wins 50 to nothing. So Hollis' season ends in the first round as well. All right, as you're looking up, trivia question. Okay, I'm going to ask it. I think I have the answer, but I'm going to look it up. When's the last time South Souls made a semifinal? Okay. Might be 20 plus years. That's the hint. I was going to say the last time Clinton beat him in the finals. Right, which would have been my senior year. <laughs> it's been a while. We'll be back. We were sitting around the office one day and tried to explain what Western Oklahoma Realty was. If you had to put it in a dictionary, what would you get? What kind of definition you would get? I think I said, is a, what about, were people before property? People before property means to me that you care about the person more than you care about what they're buying in that you want them to get the best thing for their circumstances, the best home, the best investment. For all your real estate needs, give Western Oklahoma Realty a call at 225-6271. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. I found the answer to Jared's trivia question. Last time Salisaw was in the semifinals, 2009. Before that, 2003. And then those back-to-back title game appearances in 2000 and 2001 against Clinton. That's been a well, while. That's been a minute for them. Been a while. Um, let's take a look at the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em standings. Tightening. It's tightening at the top. Big Poppy still out in front. An even fifty or an even five and five this week. One game advantage over Farmer Mark and Traber. Then we got some others nipping at the heels. I thought I saw you. Where are you? There you are. Sixty and fifty. You had a four and six this week. But there's still I mean it, what, three weeks left? Two regular season and then the conference title games. Anybody down there with you or or so, rip off about 18 out of 20. They'll go flying up the leaderboard and putting themselves in a position that conference championship Saturday to take home the, the prize, the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em Prize. Down at the bottom, our man Paul Gunkel has just dominated. He has held the lead almost from the first week, and he still does lead at 44 and 66. Got some people close, like the one right below him. Will, is that Will? You know the Will we know? Is it? Missed one week. Now you don't know how many of the one. Obviously a zero there forgot two weeks ago. That had been in the running. Matt would have been in the running. But yeah, maybe you got Polly. 44 and 66. Who's even close? 
47. 47 and 63. That's 110, isn't it? Yeah. So three-game lead for Paul. Got to feel pretty good about it if you're him, right? I'd say so. Because then it goes clear to 52 and 58. No, no, 51 and 59. There's some 51s and 59s. He's got a pretty sizable. There's a 50 and 60. So, yeah, he's got a pretty sizable lead. Three over second. And then all the way to 50. So six over third. It's going to be hard to pick that bad for some of these to catch him. And, of course, you can't just take an O because that eliminates you. That's brilliant by us, saying they had to pick every game. Because right now you just wouldn't pick anymore. and You, you just give Paul up. Paul might get yeah. seven in a row or seven in three weeks and you'll fly past him. So, good stuff. Western Oklahoma Realty College pick them. Tyler Harrison, Robbie Allen, all the gang. At Western Oklahoma Realty People, before property is their motto. Give them a call. It's 225-6271. All right, Jared. Did Oklahoma State take the rat poison, or did UCF just play a phenomenal game? Man, sometimes when it just rains, it pours. And, and, and even when Central Florida went up 14 nothing. it uh, admittedly, I, I was just following on my phone. I was in the gym. I wasn't able to watch, but I just thought, well, I'm going to see a seven here. I mean, they're going to score, and it's and it's going to be fine. And then that just score kept getting bigger and bigger. And when I was able to turn it on, it was right at the start of the third quarter or just a little after, and Oklahoma State went and kicked a field goal. Then they got a turnover, and I thought they were going to claw their way back out of this and pull something, pull a rabbit out of the hat. Um, they just couldn't get going. It's um, but I think we all knew there. They call it the bounce house. It's crazy there at Central Florida. It can get crazy, and maybe something to do with the weather kind of messed with it because it was raining on and off again. Maybe it messed with the rhythm offensively and what they wanted to call and what they wanted to do. But ultimately, man, I mean, Barry Trammell said it best. I think it was him. He said, "I'm trying to find a, when he, in one of his writings, one of his posts. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find a word worse than hangover. That's worse than a hangover because this is it." And I, my biggest fear was Bedlam hangover. Well, that's why and, the line was what it was. Right, yeah. And, but I don't think that can be an excuse. I think it, it – and I heard a stat when I was able to turn it on where it said Gordon only had – and this was in the third quarter – eight carries for very little yards. And I thought, what's going on there? Should he have had more at that point? Is that working your horse too much? If he did, is it just not working for him? Did, did Central Florida find a way to bottle him up and, and force Alan Bowman's hand? Um, you know, and then by doing that, I mean he throws three interceptions. So if the running game doesn't work, it just feel, and then if the if Bowman can't step up, then it it, it seems pretty detrimental at that point. The, it, this is the first time since the Iowa State game that Oklahoma State didn't dictate the yeah. flow of the game. It was 14 nothing as soon as you could kind of look up. And at that point, the running game isn't taken away from you. But then all of a sudden, at 24 nothing at halftime, 
it starts to be you, you're not dictating anything to UCF with the run game because they may not mind you chewing clock and you know what I'm saying they, yeah. when when you're when you're down 24 nothing then all of a sudden you press and so we saw we saw a couple of things that haven't been happening one Oklahoma State fall behind like that and have the have the the way the game is played dictated to them and as that happened number two Alan Bowman turned the ball over three interceptions he hasn't been doing that I don't think I don't know that he's thrown a pick since back at the Iowa State game I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, I mean, it hadn't been very but many. He's played really He's good. played really well, and he's protected the ball. Yeah. More than anything, he really protected the ball in this winning streak, and then that didn't happen. You know, there, you could look at the matchups. I mean, this even happened when Oklahoma played UCF when people were kind of thinking UCF was was a live underdog to, to win the game or for sure cover the point spread. You know, if you, if you look at, like, pro football focus – UCF secondary is about the best one in the conference. Now, their run defense has been putrid. But the way the game went, because UCF jumped out on top, then the strength of Oklahoma State versus the weakness of UCF was completely mitigated because Oklahoma State didn't have time to run it. You know, and then, then a downpour happened. You know, there, it was just a lot of things. But at the end of the day, it was just a butt-kicking. UCF just it, it was one of those games you see it every single year in college football where you know one team UCF was better than two and uh, better than four and five going into set they just were but uh, John Rice Plumley got hurt they lost some games you know the Baylor debacle that happened down there blowing what 36 to 10 lead you know there there's just some things that that put UCF in a in a much worse light than I think they actually are as a football team. Their record didn't really indicate. I don't what, think so at all. Are. I think they're, you know, you look at them, they're down toward the bottom of the Big Twelve, and that that's just not they're they're a better team than quite a few in front of them in my mind. Mm-hmm. But they just haven't quite, kind of put it together this season with injury to the quarterback, some weird things. But I mean, okay, there's one, two, three, four, five teams tied at two and five. Houston, Baylor, BYU, UCF, and TCU. I think UCF is by far the best of that group. I just do. I, I just think they're the they're by far the best of that group, and that puts them right below. That puts them right in the middle, below like a Kansas, a Texas Tech, West Virginia. They may not be quite on that level, but I think if if, if you played that you know KU what uh, UCF game tomorrow, are you sure UCF's not going to win? You know, it's not an excuse for Oklahoma State for playing like that. But I also think that if you looked up and you go, oh, my gosh, a team that's 1-5 in, in the league beat a team that was 5-1? and one? Yeah, it happens. And and I think they're just better. I, I just UCF's better than what, what people around the country would have thought if they hadn't really been watching or didn't know the circumstances of their season. So now Oklahoma State did have a mulligan. But they're going to need some things to happen. Um, calculating the standings. When you look at the standings, you've got five and twos at Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Texas all alone at six and one. By this handy-dandy calculator, 
What calculator are you talking? What is uh, this? It's a deal that Toby Rowland put on online to to help decipher. So basically, what it's done is, if Oklahoma wins out, Texas wins out, Kansas State wins out, Oklahoma State wins out. What happens? Do you know who would play in the Big Twelve title game? If Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas State and, and OSU. OSU all win out, mm-hmm. who would be in the title game? Well, Texas would be because they only have the one loss, right? And I'm 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 talking it through my head. So I think it would it, OSU would be ahead of OU, obviously. Because OSU has the head-to-head. That doesn't matter. I'm telling you right now, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter? Hardly at all. The head-to-head doesn't matter in a tiebreaker? No, because it'd be a three-way tie. It'd be a three-way tie, and they didn't all play. So Oklahoma and Kansas Kansas State didn't play. Oklahoma and Kansas State didn't play. Kansas State played Texas. It doesn't matter either because of two losses. Mm, I think it would be Texas and Kansas State. Why? It has to do some with winning percentage, or I. So it goes to here's they, here's what it goes to. Yeah, we didn't Oklahoma State. So it, that doesn't matter though. The head to head doesn't matter. Doesn't Why matter. Doesn't it matter because they didn't all play. Because Oklahoma, you can't yeah. you can't have a round robin head to head when yeah, they didn't yeah, all play. Yeah. So what happens is the teams that the teams that would be in the three way tie would be Kansas State, OSU, and OU. From there, you have to go down to the la- tiebreaker number six, which is. The winning percentage against the teams that they all played. Oh, okay. So in this scenario, they all would have played Kansas State. I mean, I'm sorry. They all would have played Kansas, and they all would have played Iowa State. Oh, okay. So Kansas State has already beaten. Well, or will will have beaten Kansas and Iowa State the next two weeks, if it plays out this way. So they'd be 2-0 and against those two teams. OSU beat Kansas, lost to Iowa State. OU did the inverse. And so Kansas State would be the answer because of that, <laughs> that tie break. It's pretty wild, isn't Interesting. it? Interesting. And then from there, you break the tie. Then it goes to head-to-head, which OSU would have over OU. So it would end up being Texas 1, Kansas State 2, OSU 3, OU 4, if those teams went out. So this week, if you're an OSU fan, you're rooting you're rooting for Kansas. End of story. That's it? Yeah, because at that point there it can only be a two way tie and you beat OU. That's all you need. and then it'd be OSU in Texas. There's there's some there's a million scenarios, and it's what's cool is on this little deal, you can put in who wins the game. Like let's see what happens. Let's pretend like Iowa State beats Texas, but all the rest of that can everything else we just said happens. Who do you think goes then? If Iowa State beats Texas and everybody, and then, else but then happens. yeah, Kansas State wins out, Oklahoma wins out, Oklahoma State wins out, but Iowa State. I hope beats you're going to tell me Bedlam would happen again. Nope. No. I want to know that scenario. I don't know. Who would it be? Kansas State and OU. Oh, okay. 
I, I want to find the scenario for Bedlam. It's simple. I think I know it. Texas losing their next two. OU Texas. And okay, OSU here's what's both. No, here's what's going to have to happen. If Iowa State beats Texas and Kansas beats Kansas State, I think you get Bedlam. Yep. You do. And the reason you get Bedlam would be it's a three-way tie. And it would be conference opponent win percentage. I've clicked my way to this website. Have now. you found it? I'm going to save it. So, yeah, so OU's conference opponent Book win percentage it. would be 500. Texas and OSU would actually tie exactly, which is shy. That's unbelievable. But from there, then you do that common opponent thing. Mm-hmm. And whatever the common opponents that OSU and Texas have, since they didn't play, OSU would have gone 5-1 and one against them. Texas would have gone 4-2, and two, which Oklahoma would be one of those. Iowa State would be one of those. There's Texas's two losses. If it were to happen Saturday, be Oklahoma and, and Iowa State. Whereas OSU beat OU, but lost to that's their one loss. I mean, there's yeah, this it's a it's hard to anyway. It's a good thing there's a website you can just click the games you want to know the outcome to, and then it's you handy. To, yeah, if you had to figure this out on your own, it'd be pretty impossible. Um, Oklahoma Saturday night dominant in the win over West Virginia. I'm sure there's a ton of people screaming, where was this offense in the last two games? Why Why didn't this output happen? Why didn't the play calling go like this? I, I think it's pretty simple, to be quite honest with you. There was two things that, m- that were missing on Saturday that were involved in the last two games. And it was turnovers and penalties. I'll add to that execution, too. Well, I mean, a little if, bit of if you execute, execution. you don't turn it over and you don't sure. have penalties. yeah. But I mean, just those. I mean, think about the time, you know, the the turnovers that Oklahoma had, and the losses to Kansas and the loss to OSU. Four of those six happened on first down. That's just silly. That's just silliness, you know. Mm-hmm. You know here we're gonna get. We're gonna start getting questions. If OU, OSU, and Iowa State went out, it's bedlam. We'll have to figure that out. But what, what were your thoughts uh, just about the performance by OU? Uh, yeah, I mean, when the the offense is humming like that, they're pretty dang hard to stop. It and ultimately at the end, I mean, you saw the the ruckus that happened after Drake Stoops' final touchdown grab, and and, and I, you know, the, the fans frustrated with the uh, late touchdown in the first half from well, no, 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 yeah, yeah, from West Virginia and at the officials, it just felt like it was a night where everybody was just uh, exercising some demons. I mean, the offense was humming. Um, you had, like I mentioned, the stuff in the end zone, just frustration in the fans. It, but when the defense plays like that, when when they can limit West Virginia outside of the scripted first drive, and then when the offense does what they're doing, they're they're a tough team to beat. And it does scratch your head a little bit, make you scratch your head a little bit. Go, where was that? But you're right. If you and it just goes into football. If you you're not turning the football over, and if you're not committing penalties at inopportune times you have a great this team has a great shot of winning a lot of games they did all you know this season so it's it is refreshing too to you know go from those last three performances i'll go back to central florida of course kansas and osu and then to see that that's very refreshing moving forward and then you know who knows what could happen we mentioned the big 12 scenarios it's a lot of stuff that's going to have to happen around ou 
for them to get in that game, but um, it was good. That's a West Virginia team that was better than la- that has been in the past few seasons, I think. I think Neil Brown has them going in the right direction. They just ran into a buzzsaw of a frustrated OU team that knew they could play good and play better than what they had the last two games, and they did. Yeah, and Drake was awesome. I mean, I can't say enough about that. Can game. that dude play in the NFL? Man, I, I, in the right, in the right scheme of things, if I don't know, I mean, he's a little undersized. He's gonna, but he has just so so much football awareness on the field and toughness, and you, of course, the, I think that. What he said leading up this game that went viral, I think that inspired his team and it got a lot of people's attention. I think that might get some coaches in the NFL, some execs are going to go, I want that guy in my locker room. Um, you know, everyone was joking, well, Bill Belichick wants this guy because he's a Wes Welker type dude. And and that's what's missing in, in New England. I don't know about that. But I think he can find a home and maybe, maybe see what happens but it's gonna have to be at the right play you know will they utilize him well i mean but he needs to put on some size and i say that about a lot of kids coming out and then you see him in the nfl like i said that about sterling shepherd and he had a nice career i don't know where it's going now but i don't know well, I he's mean, been hurt i mean sterling shepherd had way more athletic ability yeah but i similar I, size but he can make up for it yeah with the, you know what i'm saying I, I i don't know he's he's darn good now i mean think about I think he's draftable. Where in the draft? Like late in the draft, like on a Saturday. But I think he can. Yeah, I, I think someone could pick him up and just give him a shot. He's a good kid that people are going to listen. He's Bob's son. He look at all the stuff he's done in Norman. Let's give him a shot. I think he'd be for him. I think it would be much better not getting drafted, and that way he could maybe pick and choose that's a good that's a good point where he would want to go as an undrafted free agent to give him that best mm-hmm. to give him that best chance but it's it's crazy to even say because he's gone from oh my gosh that guy's only out there because he's bob's son to how in the world do you replace drake stoops <laughs> in like two years it's amazing that's exactly what i was thinking after that game gotten. i'm thinking well is, is sawchuck the guy is he going to be that next guy in that role that stoops was that's took over you know that's crazy to think it's kind of scary him not being on the team and when he got hit there, I thought, oh, no, is he out? And he was fine. He was tough. He's a tough kid. Another thing that happened Saturday that didn't happen, what, in the second half against Kansas and the entirety against OSU, uh, 28 was out there on defense. Mr. Bradley, it's a great point. Stutzman played. It's, All I asked that question way back after difference. the Kansas game was, is he that big of a difference defensively? And not just his ability, just him directing traffic. It I just think seems that's, like he knows where everybody should be. He's the quarterback of that defense. And when he's look, not there, there's a void. Think about how much – I mean, like, you know, Canick didn't start. It was Kip Lewis. And and rightfully so. Kip Lewis has played better than Canick. But when Canick did come in, you know, that he was he was a monster. Like, you, toward the, you know, the middle of the third quarter on, it was like, this is the dude that everybody thinks – he can be but he can't be without him out there because he's not being told where to go you know what I'm saying? i mean yeah. that's, that's part of it i think you're i mean stutzman and his ability as a player is obviously really really good but i think his his leadership you know a lot of people were questioning what he said on a podcast and i mean if you listen to the podcast he it was such coach speak that that's just something that's being real. It's you know what I'm saying. And everyone wants to make it this huge deal. Oh my gosh, there's gigantic problems within the locker room. He's just saying like the buzzwords. 
if you don't want to be here, don't come. What, what, whatever. It, it, I mean, I, I don't think that was indicative to, oh, there's two or three guys that are just completely tearing this law. That's not it. Just see how he said it. There was no emotion with what he said. It was just buzzwords that he was firing out there to Jeremiah Hall on a podcast. You know, it wasn't like he was up in. Now, Drake, there was what he said about stuff to play for. There was emotion in his face. There was meaning to what he said. When you looked at Stutzman, it was more like, yeah, guys just don't, you know, it's just like, that's just all a normal thing. And I think you, you saw that that team certainly hasn't quit and is uh, like just kind of waiting in the wings for somebody to screw up. Mm-hmm. or a couple of teams to screw up, and then there they are with the chance to win the last Big 12 title, even though they were the team that that screwed up the two weeks prior and allowed other teams to kind of move ahead of them. You know, it's one of those, I don't know if it's going to happen. We'll see with the results. Not a ton has to happen. Um, Sam asked the question on the text line, uh, where'd it go? If OU, OSU, and Iowa State all went out, it's Bedlam. Yeah, that's right. It will be Bedlam. If OU, OSU, and Iowa State went out, because that creates a four-way tie, and then there's a plethora of of different tie breaks that go into that. But at the end of the day, that's uh, OU beat, would have beaten Iowa State and Texas. OSU would have the some kind of win that nobody. Anyways, it's it's a lot of stuff, but um, there's still a lot of possibilities of what that game can be. All right, let's take a break. Goodness, where's the time gone? Lots to cover on a Monday. We haven't even got to. Yeah, the Thunder winning over Phoenix last night. SGA was awesome. A&M. Williams was awesome. A&M fires their coach. Dallas, crazy offense Boy. against a really bad New York team. I don't know if I've ever seen statistical domination in the NFL like the first half of that game yesterday. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is David Osterloh. Many of you know me because I ran a retail business in Elk City for over 30 years. That's where I learned that if you take care of your customers, they will take care of you. So when it was time to look for a career in real estate, I wanted to land someplace that had the same principles. Western Oklahoma Realty seemed like a natural fit. Putting people before property is the same as taking care of your customers. Since I've been at Western Oklahoma Realty, I've come to understand that is how they do business. People before property is not just a hashtag, it's a way of taking care of customers. When you are looking for your next home, we will find a place that your family can call home. When you are going to sell your current home, we will find a buyer that loves your place as much as you do. Western Oklahoma Realty, where putting people before property is a way of life. Come see us at 602 West 3rd Street. We are in the historic greenhouse on the hill, one block west of Homeland. Or you can check out our website, westernoklahomarealty.com, or even call us at 580-225-6271. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal wrapping up. A Monday here on the show with Jimbo Fisher. How surprised were you when you started hearing that news yesterday that A&M was firing Not Jimbo really. Fisher? No, I actually had that thought in my head even after they beat Mississippi State. Saw where their record was and I thought that ah, they got that that idea that they are a blue blood that should be up there with the Alabamas and Georgias of the world in the SEC anyways. And I, I kind of had a feeling that coming. And allegedly, he was already fired before that game. I guess they decided that on Thursday night on a, a yeah. Board of Regents meeting, or at a Board of Regents meeting. I wonder if he even knew that or heard rumblings of that. So, uh, no, it that's A&M for you. 
it's a, now the real question is who's going to take that job where coaches go to die? Coaches' a- careers go to die. A and M six and four with Abilene Christian an easy win, and then at LSU, so seven and five. Okay, that's yeah. what A and M is. That's exactly what A and M is. But they think that they're. If it's not the Georgia standard or Alabama standard, then they're not doing it right. Do you remember the last time A and M won a conference title? Um, I I don't even think I was able to grow facial hair. Was it ninety eight? Whenever they uh, ninety nine ninety eight. Was a Kansas State ninety eight? Did they upset? They upset. They upset Kansas State in nineteen ninety eight. A true one, not not only made up division conference titles no a true conference title yeah 98 1998 dat win was on the team maybe <laughs> i don't know that's just an old name rc slocum was rc he oh for the sure coach? the coach yeah sir parker i think it was the guy that scored the winning touchdown maybe in overtime of the big 12 title game against kansas state k-state team that might have been the best in the country that year mm-hmm. with michael bishop as the quarterback denied playing for the title and they won they won a conference title on an upset they weren't the favorites they weren't this dominant heck no team you have to go back to the upset them you have to go back to the southwest conference for that happened yes like 93 or 94 when a&m really was the best team in the southwest conference and won the title now the the next question is going to be who's going to take that who's going to be the coach that if they were smart, they go get a guy like a coordinator somewhere. That's yeah, gonna, that ain't happening. And it's not going to happen. That They're going to go happen. for a splashy hire, big name hire. Who do you hope they hire? Lincoln Riley. <laughs> oh my gosh, he would be number two on my list because he might actually have some success. You know, I think who would help him if they gave him time because he's such a a guy that a team rallies around is is Orgeron. Oh my gosh! I think he could recruit in that area, though. Think about it. You get him, you, you get the Louisiana guys. Those, I think he could get those guys. Those might even be better than what I was thinking. Who do you think? Oh, who I want him to hire? Yeah, it's not even close. Dion. Oh, not yes. even close. I've seen that. Give me the train wreck that Dion would yeah. be in him. Yeah. Yeah. Would they hire? Would they go? Would they call Kiffin? Oh, I think they absolutely will call Kiffin. Kiffin. I think they give a call to Mike. El- well, here's the deal. I think they shoot higher than Mike Elko, which he's the, he was down there as a coordinator, then went to he's a coach at Duke. And done a pretty good job at Duke, obviously. Yeah, it's not not big enough splash of a name. Well, but I think he's the guy I think they would hire that that would take it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't if I was them. I wouldn't discount Lance Leipold at Kansas. That's a good one. But I think they go high. They they're looking way higher. They're than that. They're not smart enough to hire a good. Coach. They're looking way higher than that. They're looking at Lane, Dion, Riley. Who I mean, they're you know, I, I I guarantee you on the on the AM message boards right now, I have not looked, but I would be shocked. You know, a name that's gonna be going that, that all of a sudden is in town looking at real estate? Urban Meyer. Yeah. Guarantee you Urban Meyer's name is being brought up. Yep. Or like Dabo. I about said Dabo. Dabo, since Dabo's Clemson struggling a bit. You're gonna see all those kinds of names. Yeah. You know who they should hire? And there's zero chance they will. Who's that? Jeff Trailer. You know who that is? Is he the Washington offensive coordinator? UTSA head coach at UTSA. Oh, okay. He's been he's he was a high school football coach in Texas, moved up through the ranks, and now is a head coach at UTSA, doing a good job with the Roadrunners. Yeah. 
That is a that is a hire that would make sense. And that which means I know Jim has said a lot that he's he's high on the 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 UW offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, see, see, they're, see they're, that's a hire that he needs. See, they're thinking they can hire the head coach, right? I mean, I've seen Dan Lanning's name. I mean, Dan Lanning ain't living not, leaving Oregon for A and M. I don't think. Nah. Oh man, Lincoln Riley would be awesome. Oh, I'll, I'll, I I'll, thought about that one too. I'd get the biggest bucket of popcorn for that disaster flip. Yeah, but here's the deal: at least for the first couple of years. If they keep the guys, he would walk into a ready-made defense. Big if. Like even he yeah. couldn't screw that up. Big if they keep the guys, though. You just oh yeah, that portal the, the season. The memes and the gifts and all the tweets were look like a looting. <laughs> that portal's gonna be crazy in College uh, Station. I don't know. I may change my mind to Urban Meyer instead of Dion. It's a close <laughs> race. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way back goodbye. We were sitting around the office one day and tried to explain what Western Oklahoma Realty was. If you had to put it in a dictionary, what would you get? What kind of definition you would get? I think I said, is a, what about, were people before property? People before property means to me that you care about the person more than you care about what they're buying in that you want them to get the best thing for their circumstances, the best home, the best investment. For all your real estate needs, give Western Oklahoma Realty a call at 225-6271.